I'm Michael Bovestro, and you're listening to the Vegas Brights Podcast, episode 21. 21. 21. On this episode, as it is episode 21, I want to go with sort of a blackjack theme, so I'll be doing a reading of Hal Whitney's Baptism by Blackjack, part one. It all starts off with the Vegas news around the web, followed by This Week in Vegas Bright, so keep it tuned right here. The Vegas Bright Podcast is available on Vegas Radio Network, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, on VegasBright.com. And welcome to the Vegas Bright Podcast, episode 21. We're old enough to drink, but we're not gonna on this episode. Uh, we'll do that, you know, outside of the episode. Anyways, it's great to be here. What a week we had. We had some website issues uh, for those who did not notice or only listen but don't go to the website. We had a bunch of downtime, a little bit of uptime, and then some downtime. I was able to get to the cause of it all, and uh, it's been, it was something. It was something. Uh, but last night and early this morning, I was able to get everything back up. Just made some other tweaks to get back full functionality of where everything should be. And uh, I have my eye on a couple of things to see if anything acts up. And uh, the main thing that caused it, in case you're wondering, is that I had signed up for something called vault press which is a service that backs up your wordpress site and when i did that it aggressively uh the way it transmits its information from the databases uh that's really what the problem was my security stuff catches all that kind of stuff but VaultPress is a little bit sneaky because they don't tell you that they make themselves uh, an admin of your website when they do this backup. Uh, so, it, yeah, yeah. So that uh, that was interesting. Now, if it was coming from, you know, someone that, you know, wasn't an admin on the site or whatever the case is, uh, it would have been stopped, like, immediately throttled down and then, you know, completely blocked off. But... It made itself an admin, so it had sort of free range. And they don't tell you that. That's the lesson learned. Find out first if your hosting provider does daily backups and things like that. And so if something goes wrong, everything can be recovered. Luckily, I was able to find out that mine does, so that's great. Uh, so good to know. I didn't even know they did that as part of my package with them, but they do. Uh, <laughs> my package. Uh, so good to know. But yes, uh, just vault press. Uh, just... Yeah, avoid it. Just avoid it. Just avoid it. All right. Deep breaths. So that was fun. That was a crazy week. Uh, so, but yeah, everything that was supposed to post last week is up on the site. They uh, We did do daily postings. Shit you may have missed went up a bit late, but it's up there. Uh, so you can go and check that out. Uh, so on today's episode, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be reading some of Hal Whitney's uh 
Baptism by Blackjack, uh, which is a great story. I just figured today being episode 21, you know, it should be Blackjack. It should be Blackjacky. Uh, so it's got to be like, you know, we got to do some, you know, got to do some of the Blackjack stuff. So we're going to do that. Uh, I was going to uh, read through some of the Vegas Must articles that came in this week, as I've been doing uh, on the last episode and the one before that. But it's episode 21, you know, so it's like, you know, just want to want to do some, do some Blackjack stuff with it. So I'm going to be uh, doing that instead. Uh, and if you have sent them in, uh, our deadline is done. We, the, we're, we're done with the musts. The last three are going up this week, and we are done with Vegas musts. We still have the previous um, opportunities, writing opportunities, if you want to participate in that. Uh, luckiest Vegas trip, uh, your first Vegas trip, uh, things like that. Vegas collections, by the way. Uh, ooh, I, I, should, I wonder if I should resurrect Vegas Collections. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Maybe, all right, maybe, maybe like November, maybe end of October, November, everybody can show off their Vegas collection, maybe? Uh, you want to do that? I think I can do that. Okay, so uh, we might put that down. Uh, we also have, uh, right, Big AZ Marty mentioned something in Shit You May Have Missed. He said... He would like to see readers write in about what they would do if they were a casino executive for a day. And uh, one of our readers took him up on that, so we'll have that up this week. Uh, we're also going to have part three of How Whitney's Baptism by Blackjack. And uh, we got a bunch more stuff as well. So as the Vegas musts are dying down, it looks like we're going to be at 10 articles this week coming up, I think. Uh, so there's that. So, yeah, let's get on with Vegas news around the web uh, right after this. VegasBright.com. We're not only a podcast. We cover news about shows, hotels, restaurants, and gambling. We also feature the Vegasy buzz around town, like new construction, renovations, and future openings, as well as reviews of places to eat, experiences, hotel stays, and new things to do. And occasionally, we offer a sneak peek behind construction walls to see how a new place is coming along. VegasBright.com. And welcome back to the Vegas Bright Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Movestro, and as always, I'm happy to be here with you fine people. And now it's time for Vegas news around the web. Billboard Magazine reports the Backstreet Boys are coming to the Axis Theater at Planet Hollywood. The Las Vegas Review Journal reports that Go to Nugget has several floors evacuated in the Carson Tower as an errant cigarette caught a bed, a headboard, and nightstand on fire. Estimated cost to repair, $10,000. The Review Journal also reports, Unofficial Life is Beautiful statue of naked Trump was broken off its pedestal and vandalized. From the Las Vegas Sun, uh, dancers from 1923 Bourbon and Burlesque have received an arbitration hearing about the owners taking unauthorized photos and video of the dancers changing. From the Las Vegas Sun and from Edge Vegas, Marriott has completed the purchase of Starwood, which means the under-construction W Hotel at SLS, all of Caesars Properties, and Cosmopolitan could start to share reward points. Supposedly, the Starwood SPG loyalty will exchange 1.23 in the Marriott loyalty program. Seven-star total rewards customers will see benefits in Starwood and Marriott rewards programs. From the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Celine Dion's 1,000th show 
is coming up at Caesars Palace Coliseum on October 8th. Las Vegas Weekly reports the Park Theater, currently at Monte Carlo, has an opening date and artists to perform. December 17th is opening night for the Park Theater, where Stevie Nicks will headline the event and the Pretenders will perform as well. Vital Vegas reports that Caesars Entertainment has rolled out a comp drink monitoring system to all its Las Vegas resorts. It's a red light, green light system, as he calls it, on the back of the video poker machines that tell the bartender when your next free drink is due. That's Vegas news around the web for this week. You can see these and other stories in our article, Shit You May Have Missed During the Golden Nugget Evacuation. And when we come back, it's the Vegas Bright Week in Review featuring the stories we brought you last week. We'll be back after this. VegasBright.com, the Vegas website where the parking is free. And now it's time for the Vegas Bright Week in Review, the portion of our show where we look at the stories we brought you last week on Vegas Bright. Yo, Eleven, uh, share some Vegas fanfic he wrote entitled A Perfect Night at the Sands. He goes back to 1961 and just imagines what a perfect night at the Sands would be. Jim and Kendra go hooker spotting as part of their Vegas musts. Yes, hooker spotting, though they call it uh, spot the pro, but hooker spotting. Love it. New contributor Fisherman brings us Boulevard Creamery. Ice cream plus booze equals awesome. Blonde Forever shares her relaxing visit to Bally Spa. Shadow 43 craves food, booze, and shopping in his Vegas musts. Scott Clapman shares drinks and pinball in his Vegas musts. Michelle De Palma. I'm not even sure she's Italian. I just like the De Palma part. Michelle De Palma shares her experience of yoga in the sky on the high roller. And she talks about what it was like to do yoga. There's this uh, thing that's being offered where you can have yoga on the high roller. And she wrote an article about it because she did the experience. So you can check that out. Uh, reader Hal Whitney shares part two of his intriguing blackjack memoirs in Baptism by Blackjack, part two, The Martingale. And I will be reading part one tonight, right here. I mean, today. I mean, shortly, because I don't know when you're listening to this. <laughs> I'll be reading part one of that right here on the podcast in just a few minutes. Matty Ice shares his Vegas musts from South Strip to Fremont. Kelly Lamrock shares good times in the Gossy Room with a review of Matt Goss. Sam Monsieur and a Texan dive into the offerings at Gold Coast's Cornerstone Steakhouse. Cookie shares her Vegas musts from Heathrow to In-N-Out. Paul shares his Vegas musts, which include love for breweries, piano bars, and really great food. And SoCal Todd shares warm and fuzzy Vegas musts. That's it for the Vegas Bright Weekly Review. You can also see these stories and the articles they link to in our article, Shit You May Have Missed During the Golden Nugget Evacuation, which is the same article with our Vegas Around the Web stuff for last week. And when we come back, I will be reading to you part one of reader Hal Whitney's Baptism by Blackjack. So keep it tuned right here. VegasBrights.com. All your Vegasy things, no resort fees. And welcome back to the Vegas Bright Podcast. It's episode 21. 21 
How can you not think of anything else but blackjack when you hear the word 21? Or maybe some other things involving being legal to do things. Both of which are perfectly acceptable here at Vegas Bright. So I'm going to be doing a reading of how Whitney's baptism by blackjack. It's an article that one of our readers, Hal, sent in. said he was writing up his memoirs uh, of, of gambling and playing blackjack in Vegas and was wanting to know if I would be interested in posting it. And I was like, send it over. I'll take a look. And it's pretty damn great. So episode 21, Blackjack, makes sense, right? Now, for those of you who did Vegas Must last week and were hoping to hear some feedback on it, no worries. I'm going to probably just save that for the next episode, or I might take them and break them up one into like one article, one episode a piece or something. I haven't thought of it yet, but it's, a, it's episode 21. I gotta do Blackjack. I gotta do Blackjack. So many people will be questioning my Vegasy uh, uh, knowledge or credibility. My, my Vegas cred. My Vega cred. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be questioning my cred. Know what I'm saying? So, can't have that. What I am going to do, though, is read to you some Blackjack stuff. How Whitney shares part one of his intriguing Blackjack memoirs, Baptism by Blackjack. And I'm going to start reading to you. Now, it was 1978, and I had recently discovered the game of blackjack. My interest in blackjack stemmed from my obsession with, of all things, Jaya Lai. I might not be pronouncing that correctly, by the way. It's some sort of a weird sport. World Jaya Lai had opened a front on in Hartford, near where I lived back in 1976. And Jaya Lai was big in Hartford. From the day it opened, it attracted huge crowds. There is no other type of legal gambling in the state except for a dog track about 50 miles away in eastern Connecticut. The fronton was crowded every night it was open, but Friday and Saturday nights were extraordinary. Traffic jams formed on the roads leading to the fronton and the admission line stretched around the building. There were three levels of seating with bedding windows at each level. The lines for the betting windows were crazy. If you wanted to make a bet on the next game, you had to get on the line immediately after the preceding game or risk being shut out. I was never a gambler before JLI came to Hartford, but the excitement of the whole thing lured me in. I even discovered a system that was fairly profitable. Because of the way JLI is played, the Quinella numbers, 1-2, 1-3, 1-4, 1-5, 2-3, and 2-5 would win more often than any other combination. This was common knowledge, so naturally, the payoffs on those numbers were less than the other combinations. The system involved watching the tote board as the betting progressed just prior to the game. About a minute before the game began, you checked to see if any of those Quinella combinations were going off at 15-1 or better. If so, you placed a bet on each combination that met the 15-1 requirement. If you lost a game, you would, again, keep an eye on the tote board for the next game and play the 15-1 combinations, but you would increase the amount wagered on each of those quinellas. If you then lost the game, you would increase the wagers a little bit more for the next game, and so on. It was my first taste of progression betting, although I didn't know at the time that's what it was called. You wouldn't win every evening, but if you kept at it, you would win often enough to show a nice profit. For about a year or two, I made a little 
a nice little second income using this system. I was betting hundreds of dollars per game, but the problem started after the initial popularity of Jialai began to wane. Instead of attracting hordes of bettors that numbered in the thousands each evening, the crowds began to dwindle so that only eight or 900 were showing up. Since there was a lot less money in the paramutual pool for each game, I was betting a lot of money on each game. I could see my bet affecting the odds on a particular Quinella combination. If I saw a combination at 15-1 for example, I would place my wager. But my bet might be enough to knock the odds down to 14-1. I was still winning, but the payoffs were smaller and no longer enough to show a long-term profit. The system needed large crowds and Jialai just wasn't getting those crowds anymore. During my venture into Jialai, I came across a magazine called Gambling Times. Initially, I bought it for the Jialai articles, but I started reading about Blackjack too. This is where I discovered basic strategy and the various Blackjack counting methods. About that time, the new handheld Blackjack games that were about the size of a calculator began coming on the market. I bought one and began playing endless hours of Blackjack while practicing basic strategy. I got pretty good at it, and to this day I can give you the correct move for any blackjack situation without consulting a book or one of those laminated cards. Not that there's, not that that's any big deal. Anyone can have the whole strategy memorized after just a few hours of solid practice, but at the time, I thought I was pretty hot stuff. I had the blackjack fever, and I was anxious to play in a real live casino. Atlantic City, just a five-hour drive away, had opened its first casino a few months earlier. My buddy Jack was getting pretty interested in the game too, and we decided to take a trip down to New Jersey to try our luck. But we were a little hesitant as we kept reading stories about the huge crowds at the resort's hotel and casino, which was the only one open in Atlantic City at the time. From what we heard, it was almost impossible to find a table to play without waiting for hours for someone to vacate a spot. We wanted to play, not stand around and watch. Jack came across a newspaper ad for a four-day, three-night trip to Las Vegas, which would cost us about 300 bucks each. Double occupancy at the Stardust Hotel, and that included the round-trip flight out of New York City. Sounded good, so off we went. When we arrived at the Stardust, it was about noon, and we were informed that our rooms wouldn't be ready until later that afternoon. So we had some time to kill. Part of the package was a coupon good for a $2 roll of nickels at any tiny casino just across the street from the Stardust called Silver City. We decided to try it out. We each got our $2 roll of nickels. Instead of blackjack, we played the nickel slots. The slots at Silver City must have been the loosest ever created. Two hours later, and I still hadn't gotten rid of that $2 worth of nickels. Every time I got down to my last few coins, I'd hit a jackpot. I wanted with another dollar or two of nickels, and my fingers were black with the residue of handling those nickels all afternoon. Finally, with our nickel rolls exhausted, we went back and checked into the Stardust. It wasn't a top-of-line Las Vegas hotel, but it was still pretty classy, weighed against my other place, any other place, any other place else we had ever stayed. I love the dark ambience of the Stardust. To this day, I still prefer casinos with the subdued, low-key lighting that the Stardust offered. To say the least, Las Vegas was a different town back then, different in the number and size of the casinos, and different in the way blackjack was played. And compared to cities like New York and Boston, 
it was still a very small town. Today, Las Vegas Boulevard on the four-mile stretch known as the Strip is wall-to-wall resorts all the way from Mandalay Bay into the south up to the Stratosphere, the northernmost Strip Hotel. But in 1978, neither of those hotels existed, and there were still long stretches of bare desert between the hotels. Back then, most of the casino action was focused on the northern part of the Strip. Today, the hotels in the north are mostly gone or a bit threadbare and showing their age in spite of, quote, renovations, unquote. The huge mega resorts that receive most of the attention are all to the south. In 1978, one of the classiest joints on the strip was the Desert Inn, or the DI as most people refer to it. The Desert Inn was the hotel that was featured on the ABC network television show, Vegas. The show featured a private detective, Dan Tana, who worked almost exclusively for the Desert Inn. It was amazing how much free publicity the DI was getting from the show. It was this TV show that got me excited about taking a trip to Las Vegas. The DI was across the street and just to the south of the Stardust. Across the street and just to the north was the Riviera, which was an upscale joint. Then the Silver Bird, and finally the Sahara. Just to the north of the Stardust was Circuit Circus, which at that time was a fairly stylish hotel. Side note, this is me talking here. Uh, wow. The Circus Circus was stylish. I find that I find that so fascinating. Alright, back to the story. <clears throat> back to the story. Imagine Las Vegas in 1978. Okay, here we go. As you walked down south from the Stardust through things... Uh, no. As you walked south from the Stardust, though, things got a little barren. On the west side of the Strip, you would pass the Frontier Hotel, then a few vacant desert lots with an occasional gas station or a souvenir shop. Then you came to the smallish Castaways Hotel. This is now the site of the Mirage. The Sands was just across the street. Then came Caesar's Palace, and across Flamingo Road was the Dunes. The Flamingo was directly across the Strip from Caesar's, and diagonally across the street was the original MGM Grand, now Bally's, which had opened about five years prior. With 2,084 rooms, it ranked as the biggest hotel in the world at the time. People marveled at its size. The casino itself was advertised as the size of a football field. Today, a hotel in Las Vegas with just 2,000 rooms is considered a medium-sized resort, and a football field-sized casino is considered minuscule. South of Caesars Palace, there was nothing for about a mile and a half except for more souvenir shops, gas stations, and small motels. The current sites of the Monte Carlo, New York, New York, Excalibur, and Luxor were all just barren desert. The last lonely little hotel in the south end of the Strip was the Hacienda, now the site of Mandalay Bay. Las Vegas did live up to, it, to its Sin City nickname, though. Jack and I hiked the length of the Strip, and I don't think you could walk 100 feet in any direction without being accosted by a hooker. Hey, are you boys looking for a party? That seemed to be the standard line. Well, we were looking for a party, but not in front of a gas station on Las Vegas Boulevard at 10.30 in the morning. There are still hookers in Las Vegas, just as there are in any city, but they're not quite as obvious as they were back then. The game of blackjack has also changed quite a bit since that first trip in 1978. I'll tell you about my first blackjack experiences in my next installment. And that's where it ends. Now, if you would like to read about his blackjack experiences at the Stardust, 
you're going to have to go to VegasBright.com and type in Baptism by Blackjack into our search feature and pull up part two and read about it. Yeah, that's right. I just reading rainbowed your ass. And what? But no, seriously, it's a great read. And I think you would get more from it by reading it than me reading it to you. So you should check that out. And part three, which I believe is his final part of this, will be going up this week, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday. I haven't scheduled it yet, but it's going to be one of those days in case you want to check back and look for part three. So that's it. That's How Whitney, Baptism by Blackjack, part one. And like I said, this is uh, this is episode 21, so got to get some blackjack up in there. When we come back, I'll be doing the shout-outs and saying goodbye. Keep it tuned here to the Vegas Bright Podcast. The Vegas Bright Podcast. From VegasBright.com. So podcast, it's a Vegas podcast. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Vegas Bright Podcast. So thank you for listening and tuning in and hope you enjoyed that presentation of the Baptism by Blackjack thing. And uh, that being said, I want to give some shout outs to the listeners, readers who sent in stuff for last week. Uh, to Yo11, Jim and Kendra, uh, Shadow43, Scott Clapman, How Whitney, uh, Kelly, oh, I'm sorry, Cookie, Paul, and SoCal Todd. Those are our readers, listeners who submitted stuff last week and had their Vegas Musts published. Uh, this week, there's only three more to go, and our deadline for Vegas Musts ends today. It was a good run. It was a really good run, and I'll have the final tally of how many of those articles we received and published uh, during next week's episode. So that being said, uh, I do want to also thank the folks, our authors who wrote last week, Blonde Forever, Michelle De Palma, Sam Monsieur, Kelly Lamrock, Maddie Ice. Thank you guys for sending in stuff last week. And thank you all. Thank you, everybody who listens and listens to me ramble as I record these podcasts super, super late or super, super early. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Hope you enjoy VegasBright.com. It's, uh, you know, it's what we do. You know, we, we tell you what's happening in Vegas. We share experiences. And, you know, we... You know, some websites don't want their readers writing in or, or their listeners writing in. And, you know, I, I it's a community. You know, if we all love Vegas, then we're all on the same page. So let's get to some shout outs to Scott from the Vital Vegas podcast and VitalVegas.com. It's a podcast and a great website. So go and check that out. Mark Meltzer from Edge Vegas. Check him out at EdgeVegas.com. Adam from Vegas Fanboy, check him out at VegasFanboy.com. Chris of Faces and Aces, LV, oh man, when is he going to do a new episode? I think he gave up. I think he might have given up. To Mark, Karen, and Tony at the 360 Vegas Podcast, check them out at 360VegasPodcast.com. Speaking of Tony, a shout out to him and Jason at the Vice Lounge Online Podcast. Uh, you could also check out the You Can Bet On That Podcast at YouCanBetOnThat.com. Also check out Tipping the Odds Las Vegas and Cousin Vito's Casino. Uh, and I, uh, I keep forgetting to pop their websites in there. Anyways, last but not least, to everyone at Vegas Bright. Myself, Michael Movestro, and of course for Sam Monsieur, Greg C, Paper Poster, Blonde Forever, Greg Bennett, Genadius, Big AZ Marty, Michael James, Kelly Lamrock, Maddie Ice, and Michelle De Palma. And you know what? A special shout out to Corgi Mom as well. 
I'm Mike Movestro, and thank you for joining us for the Vegas Bright Podcast. We will see you next week, and until then, stay Vegas and stay bright. <laughs>